Praise God. So <clears throat> these are exciting times. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about something that I sort of touched on recently, and that is I talked about Jesus being a language. So I'm going to talk tonight about the language of the Spirit. Everyone say the language of the Spirit. And so I, I'm, I'm imagining that most of what I'll share tonight isn't necessarily um, something new, a, a new revelation or anything like that, but I want to add some food for thought tonight. Amen? And so I, I'm hoping that there will be something revelatory at some point, but I'm thinking most of it we, we know, but mu much of what we hear sometimes we know, but we haven't activated, right? Or we need to be stirred up and, and we need to be reminded, and our faith increases as that happens, right? So what, what happened, let me just go back to, it was a Wednesday night, actually, we were singing that song, you know, I Speak Jesus, you know? Um, I, I speak the name of Jesus, and then at the end at the end of that part, the one line says, I speak Jesus, and my mind just went, yes, we speak the name of Jesus, of course, but my mind went to that last one that said, I speak Jesus, and the thought that I had, and then the next time we sang it on a Sunday, and then I just happened to be up there at, in between, after praise and worship, and I just had to share that, that, not, that, that Jesus is a name, yes, but Jesus is also a language. And what I mean by that is a language like we speak English, like we speak Chinese, like we speak Italian, there is a language called Jesus. And so that was the thought, and that was what I shared, that we have to begin to speak that language. Now, the name of Jesus, obviously, is important that we utter the name of Jesus, because there's power in the name of Jesus. It's the most powerful of names. But if we relegate his name to just something that we say at the end of a prayer, then we've missed it, right? Or, or something that we invoke here and there without taking on the language of Jesus, the language of the Spirit, because that's the language of Jesus. It's the language of the Spirit. And so if we just say Jesus, 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 and yet we don't invoke the, the word of God, the, the language of God, then we're missing it. Hello? Absolutely. And so when I say that, and of course, I, when, I, when we talk about the name of Jesus, we also understand that we're talking about his authority. We're talking about his, his power. We, and I've talked before about what it is to be, because I am a power of attorney for someone. There's a power of attorney that we have, that we have the authority to use the name of Jesus. So I'm not diminishing the name of Jesus. There's no other name whereby we must be saved. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Um, he was given a name that is above every name. And, in, and they were waiting. They knew that there was a son coming. They knew that he was coming, but they didn't know his name. And so then he said, and thou shalt call his name. And I can just imagine, I just see people sitting on a boat, and everybody leans in. Boat begins to tip because we're waiting to hear the name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. But I want, so, so I'm not diminishing that, but I'm just, I want to add to the arsenal tonight. Um, or at least remind us of what the arsenal is so that we can utilize it as we walk in the place that God has us. And our pastors have been, we did it, he did it tonight, our pastors have been talking about the healings 
the signs, the wonders. And it's not like we're, it, it's not like we are just seeking the hand of God. We are seeking the face of God, but with his face comes his hand, comes his word, comes his healing. You know, I mean, we had the testimony on Sunday about the deaf ear that was opened up. Now, that's that's what God wants to do, and that's what pastor and our pastors have been trying to get us to, to grab a hold of, that it's not a rare occurrence, but it's what God wants to do. It's what's to be expected in his people, right? Exactly, and so what I'm going to talk about tonight with the language of the Spirit has to be, you're not going to have the healings, the signs, and wonders that we are seeing and believing more for without understanding the language of the Spirit. You can't separate that. You can't separate the language of the Spirit within receiving what God has for us and what His Word says. So we're going to have to embrace the mindset that there is a language. It is the language called Jesus. It is the language of the Spirit, and we've got to be bold in the speaking that language and then watch what God does. Okay, so um, the language of the Spirit is vital to where we are right now. So while we're speaking his name, we have to couple that with speaking that language. And so, again, not trivializing it, but Psalms 138, verse 2, the second part of verse 2, even says that he has exalted his word, his language, above his name. And that's like mind-boggling. And there's been some battle about, okay, well, what does that mean? But from what I've, what I've heard from this original and from the biblical culture at that time, that's exactly what it means. And I can go into other aspects of that. I don't have time for that. But the word of God says that he exalted his word, his language, even above his name. So here's the deal. His word is his language. His word is his language, and his language is his word. His word, the word of God, is the language of the Spirit. It's the Jesus that we speak, and his language is his word. So when we speak that language, that word, we are actually infusing God. We're actually, um, we're actually dropping God. In. We're actually causing God to show up in that situation because he is his word. So when we speak his word, we are bringing God into every situ- into that situation. Hello. And I don't know that we, that we have a revelation of the power of what we speak, of the language we speak. That when I speak the word of God, the language of God, he's there. He is his word. And things should happen. Amen? John uh, chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that that Word is, is Christ, right? That Word was Christ. And so when we talk about the Word, we cannot separate that from who Jesus is. That Word that was from the beginning is Christ. And we know that Christ means the anointed and his anointing. So then when we speak that name, when we speak that word with that name, when we speak that language, right? We have the anointing. We have the Christ. 
He is his word. Can't be separated. So he's his word. So therefore, when we speak it, something should happen. In fact, something does happen when we speak his name. And here's the beautiful thing about it. We understand that we were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, right? And we understand that the first encounter that we know of God is that he is a creator. He is the creator. And we were, said, we were told that we were created in his image. So what does that say about us? What, that, that, that we are creators. We are created. We have that same power to create. And we create, just as he said, let there be. He spoke the language of the spirit, let there be. So then when we decree, when we speak, we're creating. That's why it's so important that we are mindful of what we speak. Because whether you like it or not, you are a creator. And so what you shall have, what you say. Right? We are, cre- and that, a lot of times we think of that, and we think of that only on the negative. Well, you be careful what you say, because, but, and, and that's true. But it's also the other. What are we speaking that's positive? What life are we speaking? Because we create that also. We are that powerful when we tap into the language of the Spirit and model ourselves after God. When we, when we speak it, we release something that creates something. So I'm going to tell you the story. It's a funny story. One of my good friends, she, um, we, were dri- we were in New York City. Anybody ever been in New York City traffic? Okay, God bless you guys. You're very fortunate. Just to tell you how bad it was, I went to New York City you know, and Jenny Ferguson came with me, and that was, I don't know, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, whatever. And I wasn't thinking, so I had the flight where I'm landing at rush hour, at five, at rush hour on a Friday in New York City. Bad decision, right? Oh, that's just an idea of, uh, of um, what, I don't know, I've been out of New York for a while. But um, there I am, and I'm going to Uber, because I'm like, I'm not renting a car, blah, 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 I'm going to just Uber this thing. I mean, the traffic was so bad. That we, it t- we were going from Queens, LaGuardia Airport to Long Island, 21 miles. It took us 80 minutes to go 21 miles. Welcome to New York City. And it cost me $118 because part of that is the time that it takes. So it was terrible, right? But anyway, a friend of mine, years ago, we were right out of college, and we were down in the New York City area where traffic is off the hook. And so she had said as we were in the car, we were running late because... Well, I didn't have a license, and she was always running late, and so <laughs> I was riding with her. And at one point, she says something. She's like, oh, man, we got to get there, and this traffic's bad. She says, she's just like, Lord, when we get there, when we, as we get there, please, Lord, let the Lincoln, Lincoln Tunnel be clear. Let it be clear, Lord. It, clear. She just speaks that. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let it be clear, right? So then at some point, we, we, we get where, we're, where, you know, we get further along, and I mean, traffic is just wild. And all of a sudden, she's like, wait a minute, did I say the Lincoln Tunnel? And I was like, yeah, she's like, well, it's the Holland Tunnel that we're on. And then we both had this, we both started laughing because she said, we, we both said, you know what, that Lincoln Tunnel was probably the clearest it has ever been, ever. People are like, wow, this is amazing. You know, and, and so we, we, we'll never know, but that was what we said. Why? Because she was like, she had spoken it, 
She said, that thing is probably as clear as it could ever possibly be. And that's just a funny story. Well, let me ask you a question out of curiosity. Yeah, out of curiosity, how many of you speak more than one language? That's not a trick question. Okay, so we got, okay. Speak more, a few people who speak more uh, than, than one language. Okay, I, I shared before about somebody that I knew back in the day. His name was Lucian, and he was Haitian, and he spoke, he spoke many languages, fluent. And I had this thought at one point. I just said, I said, um, what language do you think in? I was just kind of curious, you know. And as I recall, he said the language he speaks in is French. That's his native language. And so he thinks in that. Now, the closest I can relate to how you think in that is I, I still think in Eastern time zone. So I still, you know, I've been here eight years now, and I still think Eastern, and I still have to translate my brain to, um, to that. So that's the closest that I come. But he speaks or spoke, I don't know, many languages, but he thinks in that one language. And so like Lucian, we think in a certain language also. And we then speak from that place. Now I'm going to try, I'm at, I've been asking God to help me to communicate this as I want to communicate this tonight. So pray for me. But we, we speak in a language because we think in a language. And Lucian thinks in his native language. So, so what does that mean? The word native means associated with the place or circumstances of a person's birth. When you talk about native, which is where we get nativity and we get natural and we get, you know. So it's, it's about the being associated with birth. So my question to you tonight is what is your native language? What is your native language? Now, that can be tricky because we were born in sin. That was native. We were born in, in, in sin because of the fall of man, which is why a child doesn't have to be taught to do wrong because they're born into the sin nature. They don't have, you don't have to teach a child to, to lie. <laughs> you got to teach them not to, right? You don't have to teach because that's their, that's their nature. That's the nature they were born into with the, with the, fall, with the fall of man. So, so we have that nature, but we also have been born again, right? So there's that nature, nature, and that definition applies also, associated with the place or circumstances of a person's birth. So now we've got dual natures competing with each other. Hello? Yeah, we've got these dual natures competing with each other. Now look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I get from this, we have a role to play in the language that we speak, even though we've been born again. We've got a role to play, which is why it says for us to present ourselves, for us not to be conformed, for us to be transformed. If we didn't have anything to do with it and we were just passive about whatever language we speak, 
then he wouldn't tell us to present ourselves, to not be conformed. So there's a role that we play. So though we have the spirit of God within us, we still have the two natures to contend with. It's not automatic. We choose which nature to obey much of the time, but we build up the nature that we want to be dominant. We build the muscle. You got the two, but you build up the one that you want to dominate. How do we do that? We do that through prayer, right? We do that through reading the word. We do, we, we do that through being conscious of the company that we keep, right? And so whichever you build up becomes stronger. So it does become easier to lean in to the nature of the spirit, but the battle never ends. But as we lean into the nature of being born again, we begin to think a certain way. So though we're, I'm talking about the language of the spirit, you can't separate that from the thinking as we lean into the word, as we lean into his presence, as we lean into prayer, as we're mindful of the company we keep, we begin to take on more of that spirit, the language of the spirit. So we have to, we have a role to play. And we begin to think a certain way. And then when we begin to think a certain way, we begin to speak a certain way. We begin to speak the language of the Spirit. And this is so important because we're talking about miracle signs and wonders, but we're not going to see that if the language that we're speaking, because of the way we're thinking, defies what God is doing. So we've got we've to get this part. And we've got to be intentional because it's just not automatic. So as people with access to more than one language, we get to decide which we will speak. And it is a day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, second by second decision. Everybody say decision. So the nature that we lean into becomes stronger, becomes more natural and as, we, as we play that role. So we have to continually renew our minds. This is just practical stuff here. You know, we have to continually renew our mind through, like I said, word, prayer, all that. And we have to, you know, a word that's really for the last several months that I've really been on my heart and I've been talking about a lot, and that's the word steward. We have to steward what we have. We've got to steward the language that we have access to. We have to steward that. That means we have to steward our souls, our minds, our wills, our emotions. We've got to be good stewards of that so that we're thinking a certain way, so that we're then speaking a certain way, so that the atmosphere changes. And so something about me, I'm not a big movie fan. I just don't, I'm just not big on movies. If I'm at the movies, it's because it was something that I really, really, really wanted to see. Not a big TV fan either. Um, but anyway, so I, I remember telling a friend of mine, I may have said it to more than one, I said, listen, we were going to the movies. We were going to see this movie many, many years ago back in New York. And I said, listen, you might want to take your car. I'm saying, because I, I just want to give you fair warning. Because if there's something that makes me uncomfortable in the movie, I'm going to leave. And I don't want it to be said that, you know, Adrian didn't tell me and she abandoned me in the movie or I had to leave or I paid my money. And, you know, it's just... 
and I'm not over the top or anything like that, but I'm extremely careful about my soul, my, the, my mind, my will, my emotions, and therefore what I speak. And if I'm going to be careful about what I speak, I have to be careful with what I take in. And I had a friend one time, I don't know, single people might really appreciate this. Of course, married people may as well. But I remember a friend of mine, she meant well. She sent me an email. Some dude in the email. He was very handsome. And I don't remember the reason for the email. I just remember this email, and I don't know what the deal was. And if he had a shirt off or something, I don't know. But I remember saying to her, don't ever send me an email like that again. And it hadn't even dawned. You know, it wasn't dirty, dirty. You know what I mean? But again, I don't need anything to deal with. Coming into my eyes, my ears, my heart, or anything like that, right? And so you have to steward your soul well. Because what comes in is going to impact you. So, and if you're listening, I know you didn't mean anything. But anyway, but because I recognize, I, I, my, my stance with that, whether the movies or that, was because I recognize the authority we give things in our lives by opening ourselves to them. They plant themselves in our heart, and then they come out of our mouth. And because of the creative power we give them, because of the creative power we have, they then manifest in our reality. And that's why we have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth. And that truth is an actual language called Jesus, which is the language of the Spirit, which develops as we place ourselves in position to lean into the Spirit. And we know this is all true. Proverbs 23, 7 at the beginning says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he think, now, and that doesn't necessarily mean everything that just comes across your head, but notice it says, as he thinks in his heart. Because as we begin to meditate on certain things long enough, it, it goes from our heads and then it comes into our hearts. And as you think in your heart, so are you. And then Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've got that connection. As you think in your heart, so are you. And then out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth then speaks. And you're creating, whether good or whether bad. Right? One of the most eye-opening things, and I bet you there's some of you who've experienced this before. One of the most eye-opening things that people have to deal with personally is not when they have said something that they didn't mean. But when they said something that they did mean and realized they meant it. Maybe in the heat of an argument or, or something like that. And so they said it and they're, they, 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 they may apologize for having said it because they shouldn't have said it. But they can't authentically apologize and say they didn't mean it because they, they meant it. Are you hearing me? And it just, it came out. And that's one reason that political handlers don't like politicians to go off script or go off teleprompter because they might actually say something that they mean. <laughs> right? Because if it's there, it's going to come out, which might be why the Easter Bunny was taking our president away. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you saw that, but we started talking about, you know, foreign policy, and all of a sudden the, the Easter Bunny leads him away at the Easter egg roll. 
on Monday. Some people, you just don't, don't, you don't want them to say what they really think. Stick to the teleprompter, please. Don't tell us what you believe. <laughs> so what is it we actually need? So you can only fake it for so long. Because eventually, after a while, what you mean, what you've been thinking on, who you are, will reveal itself in your language. It's going to come out. Jesus demonstrated this in the wilderness. It is written. We've all talked about that. He's that model. He's that example of how to speak the language of the Spirit. In Matthew 4.4, I'm not going to read all of that with him in the wilderness, but Matthew 4.4, it says, but he answered, it is written. Language of the Spirit. The language of Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, that proceeds out the mouth of God. It is written. The language of the Spirit. Verse 6, again, it is written. He's our example. Verse 7, it is written. Verse 10, it is written. He spoke the language of the Spirit. He spoke a certain language. We are to live by that example. So we should be speaking the same language that Jesus spoke. It's a language of faith. It's a language of his word. And it's powerful. It's creative. And it's more, it's so necessary. I started to say it's more necessary, but actually we always say that. I need you, God, more than we ever need you. No, you really don't. You needed him just as much then as you need him now. But with the times that we're living in, we are more aware of how much we need him. So we need to be more aware of the language of the, of the spirit and what we're saying. And some people throw things out and then they, they just, ah. You know, I remember with my, my aunt, she would say certain things and I would say, auntie, don't say that. Just fill with fear and stuff like that. Don't say it. Thought it was, you know, you think it's funny and stuff. And I'm like, it's not funny. It's always talking about fear, always talking. I said, you know, I'm thinking about the thing that I fear came upon me. It's not a game. We've got to be mindful of that. Psalm 103.20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now, I, I'm a believer, and they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that we dispatch angels. We can commission angels. They're hearkening to the voice of his word. Where are they getting the voice of his word? Because we are the voice of his word. And, and as we speak it, they're on assignment. Hello? We get to commission the words that we say. And we declare it in, dec in decree, and then we see things happen. Miss, Miss June, the other Sunday, right, she said that word of knowledge about the, 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 the hearing, the ear, and then things transpired as she stepped out and spoke the language that the Lord gave. And so the angels are hearkening. The Bible says that they're ministering spirits. So we speak, we release. We speak, we release. In Jeremiah 1 and 12, it talks about how the Lord actively watches over his word to perform it. He's just active. He's watching over his word 
to perform it. Now, he's got, we've got the written word. Jesus says it is written. But we also have to give voice to speak it. When God said, let there be, and there was, he didn't just think it. Of course, when he's God, he could have. But there's something about when you open your mouth and speak that word. Thinking it, meditating on it, and then it's in you. It's going to come. I think that's a computer term, like garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. But also good in, good out. You know? I used to hear someone say all the time, if we carried a tape recorder around us all day and played it back at the end of the day, what would we hear? You know, and I take a, I get a bad rap sometimes because, you know, I'm just, I just, I don't even like when people say, oh, poor Adrian, poor Adrian. You know, it just, maybe I'm, over, maybe that's over the top. I don't know. But, oh, poor Adrian. I'm like, no, rich Adrian, rich Adrian, rich Adrian. I'm just like, I don't even want to give place. And, you know, and, and, it's, and it can be a, a bit of, a, it can be a bit of a, a, a battle. Like, for example, you might say, you know, it's hard to believe and then speak the language of the spirit when what I'm facing is looming in front of me. Trust me, I get it. I'm dealing with some battles, right? So you might feel that way. It's, it's, it's just hard. This thing is huge. And you're talking about speaking a language. Anybody here dealing with anything that seems insurmountable? Yeah, a couple of hands going up. Or have been, right? Just seem insurmountable. So I, I, I want to look at this, which I never really saw in a side-by-side -side picture before. But I'm going to give you two side-by-side -side examples of complying with the word and speaking that word. Um. It's a lot of scripture here, but, you know, we're in church, <laughs> so kind of fitting. But Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read quite a bit here, and I want you to follow along, and then I'm going to make some observations. Luke 1, chapter 11, uh, Luke 1, verse 11 says, And there appeared unto him an angel, talking about Zacharias, and there appeared unto him an angel, of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife, all the thighs and stuff, King James, I'm sorry. People are like, what is that? I don't see thighs. Anyway. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. 
for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were, was accomplished, were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Go down to 20, just skip one, go to 26. And the sixth month, the angel, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, there's Gabriel again, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God, God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so then after that, Mary visits Elizabeth. The baby leaps in the womb. Mary's filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we know John also because of the early passage, he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. So 57 to 67, and then we'll tie, I'll give you these observations. Everybody following? Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to the, circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father. Remember, he couldn't speak. They made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, his name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately. And his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, okay, that was a whole lot. Two side-by-side -side examples. Gabriel. Gabriel comes to Zacharias. Gabriel comes to Mary. What do I observe as I look at how this is handled and how this has to do with the language of the Spirit? So both Zacharias and Mary were given impossible scenarios. Both of them were given impossible. She's saying, I'm a virgin. How can I conceive? Right? The scenario was that she was going to give birth. He is said he's going to have a child, son. Well, I'm old, and my wife, you know, she's old, and these are impossible scenarios, insurmountable odds here, right? Both had a decision to make about how they would respond to those scenarios. 
They both had a decision to make. And both of them asked questions about it. It's interesting. Mary asked the question, how is this going to be, right? Zacharias asked the question, how is this going to be? But we know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but we know that they met the word in different ways. Because the reaction to their question was vastly different. Mary asked the question. And she didn't get rebuked. She just got the answer. Zacharias asked the question. <laughs> he was rebuked. His mouth was shut. Why? Because it said that he didn't believe. So the problem was not the question. The issue is not that we have questions about how shall this be. The issue is are we, do we have questions about the spirit, the language of the spirit, or are we questioning the language of the spirit? They're vastly different. I'll say it again. It's not about whether you have a question about the language of the spirit. It's about if you're questioning the veracity, really, of the language of the spirit. And clearly, he was questioning. He was doubting. And so Mary, Mary was like, she says, she responded in faith and embraced the language of the Spirit that she was given by the angel. That was the language of the Spirit. You will, and she embraced that and she said, be it unto me according to your word. So in essence, she was echoing the language of the Spirit. She was saying, yay and amen. I don't know how this will be, but be it unto me according to your word. So that's how she met the language of the Spirit. Zacharias was rebuked because the nature of his response must have been one of not embracing the language of the Spirit. And so the pronouncement came. Thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words. So you shall be dumb. So bottom line, takeaway, it's dumb not to grab a hold <laughs> of the language of the Spirit. <laughs> so, hmm. so until Elizabeth conceived and that word came to pass, he could not speak. But when he communicated that word, when he communicated that word, everything changes. Everything changed. So what does that tell us? We are given the language of the Spirit, as they both were. We're given that language. We have that at our disposal. It also tells us that God is not intimidated by our lack of understanding where we are, what we're dealing with. He wasn't intimidated by the questions, right? Again, it wasn't the question that got Zacharias in trouble. It was the Spirit behind it. It was the rejection of the language of the Spirit that got him in trouble. So our leaning on our fleshly native language, that nature, the refusal to invoke the native language of the spirit brings a negative result. But Mary embraced it. It brought a positive result. Right? But it also, I also observed that 
it tells me that we are not without hope. But Zacharias got a second chance, and he didn't blow it this time. God is the God of many chances. Many of us, we've said things at times, and you're like, what did I just say? I'm praying for crop failure because I planted some seed. Right? There's hope. There is hope. And so, and it's interesting, though. Interesting. If you, I, I never thought about this before, but when they talked about, you know, his name would be Zacharias, notice Mary jumped in. Not so! <laughs> his name is John! She, I don't know if she didn't trust that he'd get it right, but she jumped in real fast. She spoke first. Not so! His name is John. Right? And then he asked for the tablet, and then he said the same. And then he agreed with the language of the Spirit. And he wrote that language, and it brought a release. It brought a change from his current state. And after that, we find out that he continued to speak the language of the Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesied. So now he's speaking that language of the Spirit on the regular. After that encounter, you know, he had to learn the hard way, right? Like some of us. But he got the message, maybe with the help of his wife. I don't know. He got the message, and he declared what the language of the Spirit had already said. And then, powerful, and begin to prophesy the language of the Spirit. So, as I'm winding down here, I don't want to leave. I'm almost done, but I don't want to leave this part. because this is, this is challenging, and I'm subject to correction here. But I want you to hear me on this. And I think it's a challenge for every one of us. See, the language of the Spirit didn't originate with the Bible. Everybody's like, I don't know if I should say amen. I'm not quite sure where she's going with that. But the language of the Spirit didn't originate with the Bible. The language of the Spirit already existed before the written word. The Bible then recorded what was already the language of the Spirit. Right? Again, the language of the Spirit already existed, and the Bible then records that. I believe that we can get to a place in God where some things we speak are not necessarily written, but God honors them because we spoke them. And I'm going to say more about that. I believe that we, it's not necessarily written. I'm not saying it's against the written word. But it's not necessarily written, but because we speak it, because we decreed it, because we declared it, God honors it. We speak out of that unction because we are in alignment with the Spirit of God. And so God backs us up because that which we speak is still it's still the language of the Spirit. It's still in alignment with who He is. It's still in alignment with His, His Word. And so as we speak it, think about, think about 1 Samuel 3.19. The Bible says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. So as he grew, as he spoke... Because he's in connection to the Spirit, right? As he did that, the Bible says the Lord didn't let his... So as he spoke, I just see the Lord. He didn't, call, he didn't let it fall. He reached down and he scooped it up. He caught his words. Are you with me? 
He spoke, and God didn't let it fall to the ground. The Lord came, and, and he scooped it up, fall to the ground, but he didn't cause it to rot. He didn't allow it to rot. He didn't allow it to waste. He didn't allow it to, to fall to the ground. But he, he steps in, and he catches that word that this man spoke. And so for us, because we are in alignment with God, I say, I believe we can get to this place. That because we are in alignment with God, God allows us to decree a thing because whatever we would decree would be in alignment with him. That's creativity right there. He caught Samuel's sayings. So I believe we can be in a place that not only do we say it is written at times, but that God says she has spoken. Mm, that's just, that's just, I'll just clap myself. <laughs> Hear me what I said. There are times when we, we say it is written, as Jesus said, and we've got the written word. But I believe there are times that because you speak, because you're in alignment with the spirit, that God says because she has spoken, I will do it. Job 22, 28 says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now, to, to back this up, let, let's think about Adam. Genesis 2, 19 says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So, the Lord's saying, whatever you want to call them, Adam, I'm fine with that. He trusted Adam that whatever Adam called it, it could be. Because Adam was in alignment with him. He wasn't worried that Adam was going to get it wrong. <laughs> he was in alignment. He was in that place with him. So, he could trust him to say, Adam, whatever you want to call it, let it be. So, what about us? Now, some people go, hmm, that sounds a little bit like that name it, claim it, nab it, grab it stuff. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, right? But that's not it. I'm talking about being so intertwined with God where he can trust you to the point where he says, ask what you will. Speak what you will, and I'll catch what you say. Because we're so intertwined with him. We're so, as the, the old saints back in the day used to say, wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in Jesus. But we're so intertwined with him. We're so, we're so sensitive to him. We're so, we've so leaned into him that we're so at one with him. And so he can trust that whatever you, whatever you call it. It might, it might not be, okay, this is, you know, this, this is the chapter and verse of what is, is written. But it's still, the, remember, the spirit, the language of the spirit existed before the it is written. Right? It just recorded it, right? So as we are drawing closer to God, as we are connected to him, then we declare and decree. And it may not be chapter and verse. It may just, it may, it, listen, it just may be what you want. 
And he said, because you said, I trust you. I trust you to steward it well. And as you speak it and declare it, he then comes in and catches it and doesn't let what you say fall to the ground. And sometimes we're waiting on a thus saith the Lord or verse exactly what we're feeling. Meanwhile, God is waiting to hear us speak the language of the Spirit so he can back us up. He can back up what we say so he can catch it. Right? It's amazing that he trusts us. But he, I think he's waiting. It's like the angels hearken to the voice of his word. And the Bible says God is, he's, what is he doing? He's actively watching over his word to perform it. He's looking for somebody who would dare to dare speak that word, whether it's the written word or whether it's because you're tapped into the spirit. And so, you know, I can declare and decree a thing. I don't necessarily need chapter and verse. It's not going to contradict chapter and verse. It's going to be in alignment with the spirit of God. But he wants to hear from me. And then he wants, he wants to catch it. He catches it, gives it to us and tells us to run with it language of the spirit so we have to be intentional you know we have to be we have to avoid because again it's not just the bad but we have to be careful what we're thinking on so that we're careful what we're speaking because we're creating right and so we can create that which is bad but we but we can we want to avoid that but we can also be intentional about creating that which is good that's what, that's what we, that's just the language of the spirit. It's a challenge because we've got the two natures. But as we lean in, right, it'd be like, Lucian, what language do you think in? He said, I, he said, I think in my, the native language. That's what I think in. What language are we thinking in? And if you're not sure, Listen to, we can listen to ourselves because it will eventually come out and you might end up saying something you actually mean. Then you get off teleprompter. Isn't this a challenge though? It's a challenge, but it's worth contending for. It's worth understanding the power, the creative power of God that is within us. I'm like, Pastor, I mean, he was saying the other day, you know, sometimes you're looking at things and you're like, man, I'm ready to see this take place. I'm ready to see this happen. We're ready. And we're, we, God is moving. He is moving. And this is the key, the language of the Spirit. Help us, God. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your language, Lord. Father, we thank you that we get to speak the language and we get to release, Lord, into the atmosphere. And you back us up, God. You back up your word. You back up your spirit, Father. And you're taking us to another level, God. Father, we, we're, where we can trust that you're going to catch what we say. We, we want to be intertwined with you so much, Father. God, that we can call it so. And it is so. We see it, we experience it, we release it, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.